Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.ae. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Hey, I wonder what you were doing in 2010, all those years ago. That was the year that iPads first came out. Yeah, feels like forever ago. 2010 was when um, Kevin Rudd and Julia Gillard were fighting out who was going to be the Prime Minister. But as a family here at church, we were ready to send an incredible family out into the mission field. And today we're going to spend some time catching up with Jess and Aloise Bartlett, who were um, a part of their, obviously, part of their family who went to Malawi for a period of six years, serving over there, being the hands and feet of Jesus to the people of Malawi. So why don't you give them a round of applause as they, they come up. We're going to share some time together this morning. So welcome guys, we've been partnering with the Bartlett's and Ease Incorporated for a number of years now, it all kind of started back in 2010. What were you guys doing in 2010? Well, I was three years old. <laughs> three years old, um, yeah. So yeah. I don't really remember anything before Malawi. In fact, wow. a friend of mine at the time, one of the McKee girls, confided in me she didn't know Eloise existed until she saw our photos on up there and she was like oh my gosh they had a third kid <laughs> yes Eloise I'll existed. be talking to she them was very cute no Naomi <laughs> my age um yeah I was nine at the time so fourth grade I was SRC captain very excited um and then we just moved halfway through the year um, and there was a lot that led up to that from mum and dad's side. But for us, it was just kind of, I trust you, I love you, I know that you'll take me and protect me. Um, and it was kind of the beginning of understanding what it was to trust in God to take you someplace. So, I mean, the biggest memory for me is uh, my best friend at the time was Jessica Chavons. She's an amazing person still. Um, and she came over to my house a couple of days before we left and we were crying for like hours, just outside in the middle of winter, I'm realizing, so that wasn't smart, outside crying for hours. And then she happened to come to church the Sunday we were sent off and we said goodbye again, complete calm, just in a place that I loved in the foyer. And I was standing right next to where I used to run down the really <laughs> steep slope. And I just felt completely calm and at peace with what God was sending us to do. And um, even though I knew what that cost was, having dealt with that a couple of days ago. Yeah. So that was very special for me. And so you guys were, yeah, obviously you didn't, don't even remember. Three, that's incredible. Um, what did it look like for you as a family? And I know, I know your parents probably did a lot of the logistics, but what did it mean for you guys as a family to pack up and, and commit to going to Malawi for, for such an extended period of time? What, were, what were some of the things you had to 
deal with or go through or prepare ready for that season? Probably just for as kids, probably more leaving our friends yep. and like and the church and yeah. growing up still knowing that the church still knows who we are and like you guys grew up with us. Um, probably made it easier. Um, yeah. I remember the first Youth Alive we were back in Australia. Jay Sawyer was one of the speakers and I sat in the front row and I was looking at him the whole time just thinking, I know this person but I do not know how. And he was my youth leader, <laughs> kids church leader right before I left. And at the end he said, are you a Bartlett? And because mum and dad are still in Malawi at this point, I said, yeah. He said, I used to lead you. And I just felt this sense of like, oh, I'm home. <laughs> it was lovely of just um, those connections that were broken became fulfilled when we came back, which was so special to still have our family here. Um, logistically, we lost all our clothes. Well, I think mum had to cull the amount of clothes. So uh, one of our living rooms was just filled with all of our stuff for a good month. Um, and I was very salty about that. But I made sure that I kept all of my rolled dial books. So I protected those <laughs> from the cull. Sacrifice only goes so yes. far, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, one of them did get lost in the move. That was very sad. Yeah. Um, on the other side of it, we got there and um, I don't know if the beds were made. I don't think the beds were made, so Eloise ended up sleeping between a bed and a desk. Just kind of like... It was actually comfy. It was very confusing. Um, <laughs> and so there was, there was an adjustment of a whole new culture and a whole new... Um, way of doing things. Yeah. You have to have a gardener and a yeah. like maid. If you don't, then that's viewed as like not giving people a job, yeah. depriving somebody of an income and a way to feed their family. Yeah. So I think for mum and dad especially, it was very confusing to have somebody cleaning up after you yeah. <laughs> and to not feel uncomfortable with that. Um, now I have to cook at home, so I don't love that part. So they don't have a problem with it all of a sudden. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a whole new way of doing things. And, of course, I think the biggest thing for me was not having my grandparents in country. Yeah. That was, but they visited and bought candy, so that's <laughs> lollies. Sorry. So I picture mission in Africa as, like, lots of spiders, lots of adventure, <laughs> like, just things happening all the time, just crazy times. I'm sure there's, over six years of ministry, incredible memories. Are there significant moments that um, you can remember or that you'd like to share um, of your time in Malawi? Probably one of them is um, we would, like, there were like monkeys on this campus where we lived and we'd go to the beach and you'd have to be careful of the monkeys because they'd come steal your sandwich or like there'd be a sign and it was like, like seagulls. don't leave food in your car, the elephants will break your windows. <laughs> and that was like... That was only on safari, but yes. <laughs> Why is there an elephant in my backyard? Like it's really um, strange. But yeah. Oh, you were talking about M. Bankman. I've got the question. What's the question? What was the like, engaging industry? Yeah, like memories, stories. The first year we were there, we went to Nbangweni, which was, I want to say north of Lalongwe. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, five hours drive, potholes, but 
I'm young, so I don't care. <laughs> um, and I'm reading a book in the back of the car anyway. Um, and we get there, and it's a school for the deaf. So mum and dad are kind of just like, all right, go play, kids. <laughs> we need to teach these people how to do ear moulds. Um, and at one point, it was my job to hand out a big bag of lollies. Like, there must have been 100 lollipops in this bag. And I was very short, and some of the kids were not very short. And I ended up getting very overwhelmed because kids would, like, go to the back of the line and then get a lollipop and then join the line again. And I was like, there are so many kids, and they're all taller than me. And I started freaking out. I don't know if I waited until the bag was empty. But I ended up in a room where my dad was testing kids' hearing, um, hiding under a table and just like crying my eyes out, overwhelmed. And I couldn't figure out why I was crying. And Dad was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and even today I was like, why? And it was because I was so overwhelmed by these lovely children who really, really wanted a lollipop. <laughs> and I mean, I don't always get lollipops, but if I want one, I probably can get one. Um, and it was just, I am hire or a provider to these people. I, I have more than them by a staggering amount and I didn't know what to do with that so I ended up under a table. <laughs> but over the years I became more used to that and became able to see that my role wasn't a person to give lollipops. It was a person to say, I love you. This is how I show that. Um, I value you even though sometimes people saw me as like, oh, look, there's an Azungu, there's a white person. Mm. <laughs> um, as a different than, a better than, even though I felt uncomfortable with that and I knew it wasn't true, that gave me the ability to say, you matter, you're important, you deserve so much in this life, um, which is so special. Something that made me really comfortable when we went, when my parents took us on outreach is that I looked different to them, but they did not care at all. <laughs> like as soon as you got there, they'd come over to you and just like oh, yeah, take you to play, and mum and dad would be in a different room doing something, and even they showed love on you. Um, and they just wanted to be your friend, and like you'd just spend the whole day playing some completely random game that you did not get at all. Um, so yeah, I learned, but it took a while. Yeah, like we would help them get water from the borehole. Yeah. Um, and I had a kid on my back the whole time, Chimwemwe. She was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> this beautiful two-year-old, and I have my Chitenji over my shoulder. And just, I, we were given such an amazing position mm. of just being able to exist with these kids. Mum yeah. and dad had to like go and do stuff and share their skills. We had no skills. So <laughs> I suppose that was kind of helpful in a way. And they'd like offer us food and like take them into their households and like just treat us as one of their own, which made you feel so loved and welcome. So, yeah. It's really cool. Mm. And so we've been having a look at the, the marriage of these two ideas of practical needs where, where we, we need to, you know, we're called to be able to, to practically reach out to people, but also at the same time, marrying the spiritual need that people have. Um, I wonder whether you have any experiences of God at work in that space. That you, you know, your, your parents were audiologists, went to, went to uh, Malawi with a specific practical purpose. But I wonder whether there's, there's ways in which you saw God move 
as a result of, of that, um, that, that practical need being met and then their spiritual needs being met. Yeah, I mean, the biggest example, um, I became involved in this later on when I was probably grade seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Don't quote me on that either, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, a youth program uh, in a nearby village, not, yeah, um, at a local school where we would go and they would get food and then we would play some games and then they would break up into Bible study groups or like we would have a little sermon thingy and then break up into Bible study groups. And um, there are parts of that that you can tell are on the mission field. Like we got there by sometimes being in the boot of a RAV4, like a really small one. So me and my friend Alicia would be crammed without seatbelts, it's just like a boot. <laughs> um, and uh, it was on the soccer field outside, which was just dirt, pounded dirt. Um, but it's so similar to the youth group that we have on Fridays as well, of just, hey, we'll, we'll bring you in with some games and then let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> um, we don't transport kids in the boots. No, no, no. That's not allowed, <laughs> to my dismay. It was quite fun. <laughs> Obviously, when we went over, there were zero audiologists, um, and so now there's like 14, I think, that mum and dad have trained up. Um, and even through that, in some points they did like talk about Jesus and stuff, but they also um, showed it, whether it's talking about it or just showing that love and that kindness to these um, families that are, like don't have as much as us. Um, yeah. And what has that meant for your personal faith journey? How, how has that strengthened or challenged or any of the above <laughs> um, um, to, your, to your personal faith journey? It probably showed me, um, like, it showed me, I learned a lot about different cultures um, and it just showed me how it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter how short or tall you are, um, but it's about Jesus. Like, that is what we come together as. Um, so I remember at school, we'd have chapel, and we'd just, like, 35 different cultures would just be in this pavilion singing in a complete different language. And just getting to know God. Um, and so even I take these back, like I take back the memories um, and I put them into practice here, whether it's talking to complete strangers or just approaching people is probably what I've learned. <laughs> um, yeah. The amount of extroverted that we got in one person. <laughs> and actually you were telling me this in the car, Al. Um, do you want to talk about the story in Kodakoda? We were at the beach, um, Very nice. and if you know me, I am a talker. Like, I will go up and talk to you, and you'll probably want to be like, okay, i got to go now. Complete strangers. But we went to dinner, and they were looking for me and looking, and they couldn't find me anywhere. And then one of my friends came in the kitchen, and I was helping, like, the cooks peel potatoes and, like, prepare my dinner and everything. Um, 
So in that, it taught me really just how to be approachable and how to talk to people. Um, and even these days, furthering my faith, I put it into practice of whether it's praying for someone who you can, don't know or just talking to them um, or just saying, oh, you look nice today or just like the little things. Um, yeah, it really taught me that. I'm very introverted. But even I got a little bit of that, of like, I'm on the bus and I want to talk to people because um, in Malawi they don't have a hello, there's no hello. There is Mulibwanji, how are you? And you say that to everybody. You pass on the street, Mulibwanji, Mulibwanji. And that's it, like, <laughs> um, and so I got that as well, I think. And there's a lot of material things that we got, oh, not so much faith-based, but just little characteristics. Eloise's American accent is one of those things. Yeah. Comes out when she's being very sincere, which is funny because then you want to laugh, but she's being sincere. It's a serious moment. Yeah. <laughs> I got a home and a family, a desire to be surrounded by languages that I don't understand. Like, a language that I physically cannot understand what they're saying is like music to my ears and I don't, mm. like that's not a relatable thing. I say that and people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is something that is very poetic. The inextricability of joy and suffering. Mm. How you would go into communities and see that there'd just been a death in the family due to malaria or mm. um, a child had lost their hearing, loss, uh, their hearing as a result of I can't remember what the disease is called, dang it. Um, and the suffering was side by side with the joy, equal in magnitude, but just as important to who a person is. And we see that in our own lives, I think, as well. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, thank you guys. Hey, um, how do you think your experience in the mission field in, in Malawi or you know, other exposure to mission has equipped you for what? Um, you're doing now or what you want to do in the future? Eloise, you're still young in school. <laughs> Got a lot <laughs> How do you think that, that experience is, has um, started to prepare you for your, your life journey? Um, I would say I not only learnt from my parents and my family, but the other missionaries there. We lived on a campus where most missionaries lived there. There was a school, there was ballet. Um, but I think looking back and learning from their troubles, but also their um, goods. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but yeah, just like it taught me so much that I can come back and I've seen how some people live and sometimes I can be so greedy and be like, no, you need a, other people have that as well and you need to like check yourself. Um, I think something that if I went back now, I never admit this, but I am on my phone way too much. <laughs> and over there, I reckon my screen time would be down so much because we just, we just played in nature. We'd climb trees, we'd go for walks, we just, the power would go out at three o'clock. Like you just, we're surrounded by nature instead of screens and social media. Um, and I think that has affected me more. Say what you want about power outages. Um, they make you prioritize. So we would have a generator and like have power just be out for 
like months at a time. Um, and so the generator goes during mealtimes or like an hour before because people need to eat. Um, and so you charge your laptop during that time and then you, you ration it. <laughs> um, you, you get to see what your priorities are really quickly. I myself am studying secondary education at the moment. Um, I think coming home to Australia, I kind of had this idea of like, all right, the two things you can do to be most effective in the world um, for those in need is nursing and teaching. And I'm cool with getting needles, but I don't want to stick other people with needles. <laughs> so I'm going to go with teaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, my worldview has expanded somewhat since then, but I still really love teaching. Um, it's something that brings me a lot of joy and something that I think is tangled up in my idea of mission and in my faith. Um, so uh, leading the Youth on Sundays group and leading at youth group has been so special for me to be a um, continuation of all that I grew in Malawi. Um, yeah, my idea of mission is so different from what it was two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Mm. But it's such a special thing still in my heart of no matter where you are, you have the opportunity to be a light and somebody who loves on others and how valuable that is to others as well as yourself. Mm. Um, I, yeah. I didn't love moving countries twice. That was a bit annoying. <laughs> but yeah. I'm so grateful I got to do that. And I think I was 10 when I came back. Um, and like we'd have little trips coming back to Australia for a couple of weeks for like Christmas or something. But once you get back for years, you really hold on to those relationships that you've had. Like I, until I came back, I never realized how much my friends meant to me because I didn't have, I couldn't just run over next door to their houses anymore. But also what we've learned is um, obviously one day I want to go on missions again, um, but in a whole new perspective because I won't be three years old um, and as it'll be old, like adult, so that's exciting. But um, wanting to take those experiences and even the experiences once I've come back, back into the mission fields one day. All right, guys, final question. <laughs> if there was anyone on the edge of a decision to step into God's call and go on mission, whether that meant overseas mission or mission in our city or mission here, there or anywhere, what's your advice? Do it. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Because like, if God is calling you into something, you need to trust in him and he's going to provide for you. And he's going to keep you safe and hold you and you're going to help so many people whether it's a five-year-old playing in a village or a 20-year-old spreading the word of God in so many different ways. So everything you do changes. We're wired to protect ourselves, to be very defensive because the world is scary and hard and it hurts a lot. Um, and because of that, we don't take opportunities that we maybe should. Um, or we just think, you know, I don't have anything to offer. I don't know how to do stuff. When Anthony texted me, I didn't reply for like two days to, mm. when Anthony texted to ask. <laughs> That's not uncommon for me normally, but... <laughs> how do you stop nodding? 
Um, my first response was like, but why though? Why do you want to hear us talk? We didn't, we didn't do anything. And there's so much to go in there of like the reasons why that doesn't make sense. But after a while I had to be like, anything is valuable. Anything that you have to give is something that somebody needs because there are so many experiences in the world. There is somebody who needs you right now. Um, and you don't even know who they are yet, which is so, you, it, you can't understand it. And yet I've seen it happen so many times. I, um, I visited Malawi uh, right after I graduated high school and I got to take Naomi McKee with me, which was very nice. And we visited a school um, and I wanted to teach because I was like, oh, I'm here, I can teach science, I love science, yay. Um, and they didn't need that. They just needed, I did teach, but the most important thing, because it was a school for girls who didn't get a whole lot of education normally, um, they just needed to know that I cared about them, that I thought that they deserved everything in this world, that I thought that they deserved an education and that they were special and valuable because girls don't get told that a whole lot, especially in a place where um, their jobs were to help their family survive, which is very difficult. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, so that's good. <laughs> um, probably something that I've been learning recently um, is faith and action. We're not meant to keep faith to ourselves. Like, that's not what he called us to be. So you have to have action with faith, and it talks about that in James, somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere. Um, you got time. So you've got to act on that. Like, you've got to act on that prompting. If Jesus is telling you to do that, you've got to listen. If you're bummed you aged out of the young adults group, <laughs> there's Jim. no other option but to join as a leader. There's, like, you don't have a choice. If you're annoyed that, oh, my gosh, I'm not a young adult anymore, well, there's no... You've just been forced at gunpoint, basically, to go join the leadership team for young adults. If that's something that you find special, that you enjoy... Um, I would do this every Sunday if I could. Um, you should join the youth leadership program, the youth leaders group, because I want you there, and it would be really cool. <laughs> she needs a friend. Yeah, um, I need heaps of friends, but that's not important. You should join whatever thing is closest to you, whatever thing makes you happy, whatever thing tugs at your heart, because quite often that's God speaking to you. The idea of um, God's still small voice that um, you have to quiet your heart so that you could hear the smallest wind, the smallest tugging for what God wants for your life. Sometimes it's not somebody standing up here um, fresh back from the mission field and saying, yo, come with me, let's go. Sometimes it's your friend mentioning something, a need that they have. Sometimes it's just adding your hat into the ring, saying, hey, do you need this thing? Yeah, cool, let's go. <laughs> it's very simple, you know? Also remembering how scary it can be, but knowing, and something that I've just recently learned is how big a church congregation is and how much they love. Um, something Anthony said was like, most of you have seen us grow up as kids. And that was kind of crazy because people come up to us and I'm like, I babysitted you. And I was like... Who are you? Because <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. 
But knowing that there is so much love and everyone here cares about you and is always here, especially in the hardest times, even if you're 3,000 miles away. Um, yeah. So do it. <laughs> We're going to be coming up to you and saying, hey, what do you want to do? Can I help you with that? Let's talk. <laughs> but seriously, just go up to a friend and say, hey, what do you think about this? I've gone up to a couple people when I was thinking of um, taking a job that I wasn't sure about. And I was like, I think I would be good at this, but I don't know if I'm deluding myself. Hey, do you think I could do this? And like, without hesitation, they said yes. Because and so then I just had to do it. It was yeah. annoying. And those people build you up as well. Um, and it gives you more confidence in yourself and makes you feel more worthy, I guess. Um, at least with me it does. But, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, I don't know about you, but you've definitely um, encouraged me and, and us in, um, in playing our part in the one story. Don't ever underestimate that. Hey, um, thank you so much, guys. I'm going to pray for you, and um, we'll, we'll get the worship team up as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these incredible women of faith. I thank you for the, the part that they've played in your incredible story for humanity. I thank you for their time in Malawi, and I thank you for their time now as they continue to minister in your church here at York Street. Father God, we thank you for these incredible women. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.